You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this fine, sunny Sunday morning is my friend Michael Levoff. And Mike, uh, I mean, the Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Final. There's really no, nothing else to say. I mean, we'll find something else to say over the, last, <laughs> the next hour or so, but it's the only way to open this. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in 27 years. Yeah, it's it's really hard not to kind of be overwhelmed by, uh, I guess, what Barry Trotz calls the journey um and it's it's like uh just you know the way that this tournament has has uh unfolded and that the circumstances have has kind of forced islander fans and i guess any fan whose team is still in it uh you know you're more introspective than you are kind of outwardly cathartic um because you know you're not you know in big crowds celebrating and stuff like that but that's kind of it's kind of been interesting because you you just after that game last night and after, you know, a couple of hours of just being happy and, uh, you know, talking with people on the phone or whatever, then it starts to hit you, like, not just that the Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Final, but just, you know, where, how close this team was and how close the journey was to just not being worth it, right? Like, the Islanders were almost gone and basically my whole life and, and for a good chunk of yours, like, just lived under the threat of, um, you know, relocation and arena squabbles and you know, going to a, an arena in Brooklyn that just didn't fit them. And then when it was evident that was going to work out, wasn't going to work out, like just what was going to happen there. And th- th- there's just been so many times where um, it just looked, you know, on, on, on edge and um, somehow, somehow it, <laughs> somehow it didn't happen. And, and now like they're, yeah, they're, they, they, they're there and they're, they're in the final four of the, 2019 2020 nhl season and there's still work to do and like they haven't won anything obviously but um the fact that they're here and like on stable footing um you know you just think back to all those those weird moments like you know when steve steos was on the new york islanders and just like random other people and you're like wow this team really is going nowhere i don't know what what i'm wasting my time with and now we got this (laughs) you know we got barry trotz and this really really likable group who who um are basically what what's good about sports right they they are a a team um they're not a you know this isn't a team that someone just threw a bunch of money at and you know said all right go win the cup you know here's the money uh it's not a superstar team it's just a team with a good good leaders who who seem to really just have super high uh, like expectations of their their team and fan base's morals and 
um it's weird like it's just like that's what's that's what sports should look like like this is this is great like the islanders should be uh kind of you know the the role model for for teams which is really weird because you know <laughs> five years ago they were 10 years ago oh, my God. whole life they yeah. were the, the opposite as a person that's written about a lot about the islanders but not written a lot of like game story stuff it's definitely different to to basically focus on the game you know this game seven this playoff series we're going to talk mostly about game seven but the last time we spoke the islanders had a 3-1 lead and in the series and then made us sweat it out for another couple of days um but yeah it's it's a, a huge turnaround to like be worrying about just the games and not you know where they're going to play or who's this guy or where they're going to sign this guy i mean it's it's crazy and i i always think of something that dom wrote and unfortunately at sb nation uh, the search function if anybody's ever used the search function at lighthouse hockey they know it, it never works they've been trying to fix this for 15 years now and it never will work but uh you know he wrote that had the islanders not chosen to do their rebuild back in 2009 what we now call the you know the john Tavares era uh he may have just you know kind of just given up or or at least you know downgraded his fandom for a while because it was this sort of self-perpetuating cycle of torture that just had no payoff you know it was just one one lame team after another scratch scratching and clawing for you know some scraps and not getting anything but you know when you start the rebuild okay well now we're starting from point zero and we kind of see where this journey goes we know where that journey went but then it started at another point zero which was what you're talking about two years ago the, the sort of barry trotz lou lamorello era uh, and has been a thing now and has now produced four or really five playoff series wins. You know, they, they beat the, they beat the Penguins last year. They beat the Panthers this year, technically not a playoff series, but it is uh, oh, sorry, a four playoff series uh, and uh, the Capitals and now the Flyers. And uh, I mean, it's remarkable. And, and if everybody, you know, I know it's Labor Day weekend. Most people have off. If you could take 10 minutes out of your day today, we're going to post this on Sunday morning or even, you know, on Monday to watch Barry Trotz's post-game availability from after game seven, it's, it's gold. Like he's just talking about all this stuff that is really remarkable. And I know we talk about, you know, the life advice and all that kind of stuff, but it's, you know, if you contrast this to what had happened before, it's, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I don't want to, for the 15th episode in a row, talk mostly about Barry Trotz, but like when he says stuff like, you know, his post game, his pregame talk to the team was just to go out, have fun and enjoy it. He said, do something special today with the guy next to you. Do it for the families. Let's just play an Islanders game. Like that's a remarkable statement. Like what does Islanders hockey even mean? I'm sure other coaches have used it, but like we know now what it means. You saw it last night, that game seven was in a lot of ways the most Islanders game they've played in the last week. You know, the first the, the games five and six weren't really not quite Islanders level, but that was, it was a four nothing shutout. And the Flyers had 16 shots on goal. It's not a lot. <laughs> and Thomas Grice was great. He was maybe a surprise starter. Um, but, you know, trots again in that same availability said that he he just Varley had Varlamov had the Flyers had kind of gotten to Varlamov a little bit. Over the last couple of games, uh, particularly game six, where they, they didn't have that many shots on goal and he gave up five goals um, and he made the call and it's a tough call to make for a coach, but he did it and he was right. And they got a shutout out of it. And the second straight series that they have finished off with a shutout and this was a game seven to go to the conference finals. Like, that's just crazy. It's it's great. I mean, to, to, you know, it's like a different franchise. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it, it is. It, it, uh, you know, I'm glad you said the John Tavares era because, you know, I think when um, Tavares left and the Islanders, I mean, no matter what, that's a line of demarcation, right? They, you said it, like there was that rebuild and the Tavares era ended on July 1st, 2018. Um, acrimoniously, it, it ended in a shitty way. Um, mm. because, and, and, it's, and it was sad because that a lot of people, myself, like that was the best um, kind of sustained era of... Uh, our life as an Islander fan. And, and that's, that's because like, there was hope like that we had a, a like a franchise cornerstone and um, that there was uh, an end goal in sight and they talked about it and you believed not only Tavares, but just like the, the, the um, kind of Islanders at large, because they knew they, they could hold on to this guy and, and he was good enough to take them somewhere. Um, so that, that was, you know, the, 
there were happy times during the the first decade of you know my my real life as an Islander fan between 2000 and 2009. Uh, you know that that first that 2001 2002 team obviously, but they they were blips, nothing sustained, and you thought that maybe the Tavares. Um, the fact of, you know, just he was a special player for the team. Like, he was going to be able to do this. So, like, when that era ended and the way it did, and, it, it, you know, the the new era could have gone, you know, one of two ways. It could have been the, like, you know, the Islanders, the left for dead era, like, which a lot of people did. They, the Islanders were written off. Um, and you can't blame anybody for doing it. because uh, mm. like We did it. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> I mean, we sure, we certainly did it. Like we, we all like you know. You think about all the effort you put in through that era because you thought the payoff was going to be worth um, the the ten years of suffering or whatever it was going to take to to get the Islanders to the point that they're kind of at right now. Um, and that yeah, so that era like this this new era, which is so definitely the Barry Trotz era, uh, is is it could have gone you know a number of, of, of it could have gone really bad uh, is what I'm saying and. He, him, and and Lamarillo to some extent, and, and the the players have have kind of rescued everybody from from what could have been the lowest point um, of of anybody who's been an Islander fans uh, like life. Because, like you said, that like we've been saying, like there was hope, and then it was gone, and then all of a sudden, it was a lot of people saying, "I told you so." After that, and uh, you know, like I. I who, who knows? Like, what, what what would we look like if if Trotz and like if this didn't work out? Obviously, it has, and it has just because he's turned everybody on this team into kind of the same. Like, he, Brock Nelson is like Barry Trotz, a mini Barry Trotz. He's Barry Trotz on the ice. Like, the best teams are always extensions of their coaches and the the good teams. And these guys, like, you look at these players, Josh Bailey and. These guys are just becoming, and the way they talk after the games, and then the way they talk about the game in general, like Devon Taves, who who I've thought this whole time was just kind of like a quiet guy and one of those, you know, he plays hockey, goes home kind of guys. And then the other day when he talked about, oh no, like we enjoy this because it's like a chess match with us. We're prepared for a game for Plan A, B, and C. Like these guys are all becoming like these versions of Barry Trotz on the ice, and that's a that's why it works. Like because he is he is the best hockey coach in the world and he's able to turn his players into these you know mini versions of himself and that's that's the like that out of nowhere became the hope of you know instead of you know the Tavares very tangible thing right he's a good player that's really easy to to kind of hold on to and and to kind of you know you hold on to his coattails and hope he takes you to the promised land it's very different with a coach um, and especially for Islander fans, because we've never had a coach like this. And, and, and even like just New York area, area, area fans, like, you know, Joe Torrey, maybe going back, like Bill, Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells yeah, I would we've talked about, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's so much harder to, to like, to, to kind of just make that tangible. And, and the fact that we're, that he's, that Barry Trotz is the one taking the Islanders to this, um, I don't want to call it like, you know, because it's nothing yet. You know, they made the Easter Conference final, which is great for, for, for relative to the franchise. It's a huge deal, but in the grand scheme of things and the Islanders lose to the lightning, like nobody's, everyone's going to say, Hey, who, you know, around the league, Oh, who did the lightning beat in the Easter conference final again? Like, oh, the <laughs> you know, becomes that. But, but right. the fact that he, that Barry Trotz is the one who's been able to kind of carry this team over, over this hump that anyone that nobody's been able to do, including John Tavares and, and, you know, Alexa Yashin and all mm. these people that we've had, like, it's just, it's, it still is not lost on me. Like I just, that is the craziest thing. It's because he's turned all these guys and all, all of us as fans. Like we're, we're like, we look to him and we're like, if we just be more like this guy, like life will be better. <laughs> the hockey team will be better. Being a fan will be better. It's, it's, yeah. I can't believe it. It's just so the, wild. The more remarkable thing to me about the Trotz Lamorello partnership is that these guys weren't really friends before coming to the Islanders. Like they didn't, they weren't enemies. They just, didn't know each other. I mean, they may have met in passing or so over the last 20 years. I mean, obviously, you know, they've played, their teams have played each other and, and did different things. And I'm sure they they've met and said hello, but they weren't like buddies. Like it's not like trots was some kind of like Lamorello protege, or they knew each other from, you know, team USA, like Barry trots isn't even from the USA. Like it's, you know, they, it's not even that, like they just kind of only knew each other maybe in passing or Lou said, you know, he heard great things about trots from lots of other people. And, and yet somehow they have come together and they are 
basically of one mind. Like Trot said again today, he's like, Lou has seen it all and he has set this standard and he's all about winning and he gives us whatever we need, the resources that we need to win games. And our job is to go out and win games. But then, like you said, that filters down to the players too. And Nelson is a guy that's one of them. You know, watch Matt Barzell back-checking in his own zone to strip the puck from various flyers and taking stick to the face. And, you know, sometimes his own line mates stick to his face. He's getting hit in the head uh, with an errant puck uh, in the shoot-around. Like, you know, who would have thought that Matt Barzell is – I mean, remember when, when Barzell in his first game or whatever it was, he got, he got two penalties in the same thing because he would play the puck coming out of the penalty box? Meanwhile, now he's back-checking, you know, in a playoff game. Like, it's crazy. But to me, the big guy – that is the linchpin of the whole thing is Anders Lee. Anders Lee is cut from the same cloth that Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello are cut from like their business. They have fun, but they're all about business and they're in the business of winning. And they, this is the plan to win and they're going to follow it. And again, this guy, you know, we said a couple of episodes ago, he's all about, you know, he's known as the net front guy. He's the guy who stands there. He's making $7 million this year. He's the captain. He could easily just, you know, try and go for those glory spots and, you know, squirrely on a power play. He is not like that. He is behind the net. He is, you know, trying to, you know, keep the puck pinned against the boards late in a game, in a playoff game to secure a win. Like that's just absurd. And, but they're all of the same mind. And the fact that it's happened this quickly is really remarkable too. I mean, in two years, this team has completely shifted its mentality, you know, to follow these two guys is, is crazy. It's yeah. It's, and you see, like you see it, like, I was saying to a couple of friends last night, you know, there's just, you don't, you, there's, there's a player to me, like, I think Josh Bailey, more than any player I've ever watched, maybe in any sport, you can tell when he's on and you can tell when he's off. Like, it's, he's a completely different player. And when he's on, he's so good. And he's making these plays that you're like, that's, that's a play that Josh Bailey, if you've been watching this guy forever, you know, he's got it. But it's just it's always t- it takes so much for him to to get it out of him that he would do it you know once every fifteen games and right now he's playing like and and this is since Trotz kind of took over he's he's making he's he's kind of flipped that narrative where he'll have a bad game once every fifteen games instead of having like an amazing game once every fifteen and it's because I think it's just these guys are all on the same page and like you said it's it's this Lou Lamarillo Barry Trotz page Anders Lee page. It's not just winning, but it's about doing it the right way, and that's so cliche. But it <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like I'm like, no, these people who've been saying like, oh, we got to. When Jack Capuano said we want to win the right way, like you were like, okay, Jack, like let's just try our best to to win a game, please. Like it's like mm. I don't need to hear Jack Capuano with all due respect to him be be the guy who's like pontificating about it yeah. and talking cliche. Oh, remember the whole thing was just make the playoffs and anything can happen. Right. Yes. I mean, that's not technically wrong. Obviously, we've seen that happen, but like it's not exactly the most inspiring message to the troops. You know what I'm and saying? I like, into that. That's the funniest yeah. thing. It's like, I, as an Islander fan, I was like, yeah, that's the way we should think about yeah. it because you know, yeah. who, we're not going to be like, we, we're not going to be able to, to compete with these teams unless we get really lucky. And hey, we're due for that's how you luck. end up a seventh seed getting yes. wiped out by a second seed, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, but like now, now when these guys are talking in these, you know, kind of cliches and platitudes, you're like, Oh no, like, that, that that's true like this they are winning this these games the right way they are doing it by not only just having a good game plan but they're working harder you can tangibly visibly see this this team working harder than the other team for every inch of the ice they make it so hard to beat them it's so great it's uh like Derek Broussard who I you know always from 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 a far away view I've always viewed him as you know a one-dimensional offensive playmaker Right. Yesterday he's just he he was all over the place and and since he's been scratched he's been doing these you know he's been making great plays along the board and he's kind of looking he looks kind of like um you know a, a more skilled like he's he's got more playmaking talent than uh, JG Pajot they're playing a very similar game if you keep an eye on them like they're both doing they're playing def- defense first hockey they're taking care of the defensive responsibilities and then Broussard to Andy Green to score yeah. a goal in Game Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a playoff game like that beautiful pass yeah, yeah beautiful pass and and then yeah. here's when and that and i and i love andy green and, and i know that people listening that know that and I'm, I'm very hyperbolic about him just because i think it's hilarious like how the way that trade was viewed and 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 what he's become for this team but when that puck landed on his stick 
Like it, you just knew it was going in, because, not just because of the pass, but you're like, oh well, you know, Andy Green is is not he's not going to score many goals, but he's also not going to miss that. He's he know like when it when the moment finds Andy Green, he's been delivering it, and that's a big part of the Islanders is like when these moments find Scott Mayfield, when the moment has found like these random Islanders, they they seize it because that's the way this team needs to work. Like if you're the if you're the guy with the puck on the stick in a big spot, like it, you're going to have to bear down and 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 kind of cash in because you, you got 18, 20 guys relying on you to do it because they, we, we just worked our ass off to get to that, that opportunity. And, and, you know, you're going to make, you're going to be the guy the next time up who makes a hit to jar a puck loose and then dive and swat it out of the zone to, to spring Anthony Beauvillier on a breakaway. And you're going to want him to make sure that he cashes in on your hard work. So it's just that it, this, that's how this team is working. It's, it's so great. Um, and, it's it's so and you see it and it's just nice to see it like you 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 if you watch this team over and over again you you it's you see it you're like wow that goal came from just hard work from this guy who was just spare parts on another team a year ago yeah i think a lot of that comes from having the confidence like like Taves was saying you know they have a plan a b and c i think a lot of that comes from the confidence that mayfield knows that if he pinches in there's probably going to be a plan b behind him you know and he's trusting that guy to fulfill that role. Um, and I mean, the other thing too about Mayfield, and this is a good segue into talking about the, the two games prior to game seven. Um, you know, that was a huge thing. That goal for him must've felt even extra sweet. Not only was his first ever playoff goal, although I could have swore he, he scored a goal last year, but I guess not. Um, but it was his bad fortune in double overtime of game six that led to the game winning goal. Um, they, he went to, I guess he probably, I don't know if he was really shooting, but it looked like he was going to pass from the blue line down low and his stick breaks. And it's like a three on two, basically the other way. Uh, Kevin Hayes holds onto the puck for a little extra time, shoots it out to the point to Ivan Provorov, who then hammers it home. And, you know, the Islanders put 53 shots on uh, Carter Hart in that game. They had tons of opportunities to win. They were down to nothing in the first Came back to tie it. Came back to take the lead on Nanders Lee power play goal, um, but it ends up getting tied halfway through the third period. Um, oh, Barzell had an awesome goal to make it four three after the Flyers had tied the game. So I mean, they had opportunities to play that to win that game, but just in watching it, you know, I've told people too, like the way you know the Islanders are playing their game is when there are no odd man rushes. And that game had a lot of odd man rushes. And I don't know if it was nerves or the Flyers changing their strategy or, um, you know, just maybe bad luck. I mean, again, <laughs> Mayfield breaking a stick is just straight dumb luck. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, but there was just something off about them. And Varlamov, as we said before, didn't particularly play. But he, had, he had a lot of good saves, too, but it's just something off that uh, James Van Riemsdyk scored a goal that was like just a straight shot to the point that he just missed or a, a shot, you know, uh, on the, off the wing that he just missed. And it was something that was off about it. Um, but still they were in double overtime and one shot could have won it. And they had some opportunities. Nelson was in the slot at one point and couldn't put it home. So that was kind of, you know, you almost wondered if, if they had been found out, <laughs> you know, if, if the, the jig was up, so to speak, because the flyers had, had taken the opportunities presented to them and scored. Um, the game before the Islanders also lost in overtime again from a shot from Ivan Provorov. Um, you know, again, it went kind of back and forth. It was kind of sloppy and, and very passive for a game that you know, the Islanders could have closed the series out. They were oddly passive and the Flyers just came out with a lot of extra jump. They went up three, one. And then within a couple of minutes in the third, the Islanders had tied the game and you thought, all right, well, they're, they're tied to screwing around. They're going to actually win this sucker. Now Broussard again, like you said, I mean, he came out of nowhere and, scored an awesome goal uh, on the side of the net with just uh, just under three minutes to go and um, just, you know, went poorly. Nick Letty iced the puck in overtime and Provorov shot it and went in off of Scott Lawton's stick. And, you know, these were moments that, you know, I'm not going to sit here. It's easy for us to be here after game seven and be like, yeah, you know, they, they, they had it. They knew it. This is their game plan. But those two moments in games five and six did make you wonder if this was going to, be the end of the road. And that's why I had, I posted on Twitter. If anybody saw on Saturday that, you know, regardless of what happened in game seven, this Islanders team has come a long way in two years. They have a, they have a game plan. They have a great coach. They got a team with talent. They have an arena under construction and go figure who, who would have thought that would have been possible too. Um, but uh, you know, the fact that they were able to come out in game seven 
having lost the two previous games in two really heartbreaking fashions and clamp down the way they did play their game, end up with a shutout 16 save shutout, <laughs> you know, um, Grice really outside of a, a couple of scrambles and, and, uh, Kevin Hayes breakaway didn't really have to do much. I mean, he did, he was great, but he didn't, wasn't called upon to do a whole lot. And, uh, that just shows you like how all in and bought in whatever phrase you want to use. This team is like, they're just, they're, they're locked in. And we're going to talk in the second half about the Eastern conference final against the Tampa Bay lightning, who are going to be a pretty daunting opponent. Like let's, let's be honest. Like this is a team that is significantly better than anybody. The Islanders have played yet so far this playoff. Um, but you know, they're locked in and, and you know, it's, it's, again, it's a remarkable thing to see after seeing teams, not be locked in it's <laughs> for lack of a better word for a very, very long time uh, to see a team this locked in. is just, it's, it's inspiring. It really is. It's, and it's cool. And it's fun. You know, it's a fun distraction from everything else that's going on right now. Right. And it's, uh, it's been great. Yeah. I think inspiring is, is probably the word I've been looking for, for this whole you know half hour, wherever we've been, wherever we're at now is um, if you, if you, if you watch that game last night and you, you, you came away thinking anything other than like, wow, this, this, this team is, on the same page. I don't know what, what you were watching. Like, it's just, it's, it, it was wild and it was inspiring. And if you look at, I thought game five, yes, game five was, was probably the only game uh, of the series where I was, I, I left thinking, you know, the Islanders got outplayed. They, they, you can maybe say game four, like the game that Grice won in the beginning, I think it was game four. Right. And uh, mm. that, that it was maybe 50, 50, but game five, I thought was wonky. And, the fact, like, if you look at games six and seven, like, as just a thing, you cross out the goals, uh, and you just look at those as, you know, wh- whatever they ended up being, almost eight periods of hockey or whatever. Um, the Islanders, the, the ice was just <clears throat> so tilted towards the the Flyers' goal uh, that you would just be like, wow, this this Islanders team is just so much better than than the Flyers are. And then if I told you, yeah, well, the, you know, the Flyers won one of those games, and uh, and and there the you would just I think you would be a little surprised if you, you know, you look at the numbers, but like you said, it was the, the flyers basically did to the Islanders when, when the Islanders were starting winning games under trots in, in their, in its first season, it, it was, it kind of looked like that. They, that, do you remember those games against the Penguins? I think it was like in November of his first year, the Islanders were just getting pounded uh, with shots and stuff, but they were winning because anytime the Islanders got a two on one, they were scoring. Like they, they were, that was like kind of phase one of this plan was, we're going to create good opportunities going the way we won't, we won't, we won't have the puck much, but we'll create enough that if we get our good goaltending and we focus on cleaning up defense, you know, we'll be in games. And and that's kind of what it looked like. It looked those, that flyers team kind of reminded me of it because they were, they still were organized defensively. The Islanders had the puck a lot. They were creating many more uh, good scoring chances, but um, the, the flyers were able to, to weather a storm. And that's, that's kind of what you need to do when you're playing a better team. Um, and then, this game game seven was just you know kind of what if uh if the islanders had never kind of improved their whole game under trots uh, what would you be looking at like just they, the flyers were chasing the game the whole time the islanders are so were so thick in the neutral zone and yeah uh the flyers it, had a good start to the game yeah the and, and they seem to do five, that every game yeah. it was like basically hey if we can win the first two minutes like there's a chance we're up to nothing <laughs> if, if if we do it like let's just do that and, and honestly, it's not a terrible idea against a team that's so good defensively because it takes a minute or two to get into a game. Like, it, ta- it you know, and uh, the Flyers kind of the first four minutes of every game of the series looked like the Flyers kind of were just <laughs> were like, all right, man, like this is scary. But then all of a sudden the Islanders would weather that mini storm and the game would yeah. kind of be over. The uh, the big line in game seven was when Scott Mayfield scored, I believe, 10 and a half minutes into the period from that point on it was all islanders and and the flyers like you said just never had the puck long enough to do anything with it and then green scored i think maybe i don't know, four or five minutes later and you know it seemed like they were ready to go and and that was yeah where they found their game i wonder if the flyers are subscribing to like uh the prison rules you know you you first day in you you punch the first <laughs> the biggest guy there exactly. and hope that everybody just you know falls in line and doesn't bother you so the, the, but, uh, it's a strategy in soccer too a lot of teams kind of target that that first couple of minutes because it's yeah you can catch people sleeping and if you it, right. a, goal, a goal is very important and in, in, yeah. in low event games so yeah. um actually they had the flyers had a puck go off the post i believe it was couturier kind of yeah. he wasn't even shooting he just kind of flung it towards the net and it went off the post they had a couple of posts in that game too so i mean uh you know but again outside of those two 
Hayes breakaway and then the, a couple of scrambles. It was as, as clinical as an Islanders game we as any Islanders game we've seen so far in these playoffs. And it was it was fun. It's I started out. I mean, I spent most of the day like puking and wanting to cry. <laughs> and then by the end, you know, with about four minutes to go, Anthony. Oh, Anthony Bovilla hit an open net, empty net. Elaine uh, Vigneault pulled his goalie again with about seven minutes to go and hit that open net. And that's when I was like, okay, now I can start to relax a little bit. And then with a minute to go. I, my daughter and my wife were sitting next to me on the couch and I showed them the thing and my daughter did the countdown and I was like, I'm so glad you guys are here to witness this, <laughs> something that <laughs> I have not witnessed in 27 years. Uh, you know, I'm glad you guys are here to see this because this, this means a lot. So, yeah, it does. And and I think that's, I mean, that's the other thing too, is that this, I think this team, they, they realize that, right. They, especially guys like Matt Martin and Brock Nelson sure. and, and, Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey's been here since 2008. Like he's seen it. He knows. Like Josh Bailey didn't know where the Islanders were playing the next day. Like right. he, he's. They are like even someone like Thomas Hickey, who's still on the like he's on, around the team still. And these guys know. know and and you you can bet your ass that Barry Trotz understands because uh, he's just such a, a student of like the cultures of hockey culture and uh, in general that he knows what what Islander fans are feeling today. Like they know this. They know what 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 we've been through and where we are now. And the fact that they delivered it in the way that they did like I I felt foolish for in like the middle of the second period yesterday. I was like, why did why was I nervous? Hmm. Like I I don't know why I was so nervous. This team is I was obviously going to win this game and they they showed it like in 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 like the first, you know, 12 minutes when Mayfield and Green scored, you're like, well, this game's over. Every Islander goal in the series basically is counted for as, as like six, like the, the Islanders were the team that was always coming back in the series. The Flyers would go up, you know, three, one or three, nothing. And the Islanders would fight back. It would, when it was the other kind of the other way around the, the Islanders, like it was, it's so hard to come back against this team that when, when they were up, when they went up to nothing, I was like, why was I so nervous? Like this, <laughs> these guys are, they, they know we're there. Like they know what they're supposed to do. Like they're in the situation uh, for a reason. Uh, if they didn't luck into the situation, this isn't like, you know, Mike Sillinger Islanders, <laughs> and somehow get you know getting hot and 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 finding their way through a you know a, a playoff series this is you know barry trotz and, and these guys are all professionals like they're not going to squander this lead and um even even that like just felt good to be able to think that way like it it, it, it was it was it, it was nice to think about like stuff like that rather than um you know white knuckling through a game and 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 just, i certainly did like game six especially like i was like yeah crap like oh, yeah it, you know, if they lose because th- that's always the cliche is in hockey is if you blow a 3-1 lead and, and you lose a game six like there's no way you're winning game seven but not with this team like that the islanders could have blown a three nothing lead and, and they would have probably still won like this they they are so good at just wiping the slate clean coming out and doing it and doing their job uh when it matters most and yeah i mean it, it all goes to show barry trotz is right that yeah you got to focus on what's in front of you we can't focus on what happened in the past. You can't change what happened in the past. You can't look too far ahead. You got to just focus on what's in front of you. And this team has taken that to heart. And I think we probably should too. <laughs> yeah. that way. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back and look at what's directly in front of the Islanders right now, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, join us in a couple of minutes. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, Long Island Ducks, 
New England Whalers, New York Golden Blades, all kinds of cool teams. They got them at VintageIceHockey.com. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts, which you can get, and then our portion of the sales of that shirt go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, if you use the code Lighthouse15, you could save 15% off your order. Uh, a friend of mine uh, named Pat is a Dallas Stars fan. He just recently discovered the uh, Fort Worth Texans Islanders uh, farm team t-shirt that I own, and I told him, hey, use the code. You save save a couple of bucks. So he did that. So you never know where the, where the sales are going to come from. And they got all kinds of teams there that you, you wouldn't expect to find out. So vintageicehockey.com. Uh, okay. So the Islanders next opponent is the Tampa Bay lightning. As we said, um, inarguably the most talented team left in the Eastern conference to be sure. Um, you know, they basically wiped out the Boston Bruins in five games. The Bruins looked like the Bruins in game one and then looked like they just we're not the Bruins after that. Uh, I'm sure some of that could be placed on the feet of Yaro Halak, our old friend, but uh, the Bruins just, I don't know, for whatever reason, didn't have it. The Lightning did, and they're very good. They have some of the highest end, top end guys in the league, let alone the conference Nikita Kucherov, Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman, at the top of the three lists. Um, they have depth, particularly at forward, all the way down the lineup. They have a good coach, John Cooper. I like him a lot. He's a Canadian guy who, in a lot of ways, is a, a very Long Island guy. He's almost like a Long Islander by proxy. He has a, he went to Hofstra on a lacrosse scholarship, went to a lot of Islanders games at the Coliseum, has a law degree, and he looks like Michael Keaton. So I like him a lot. I like the Lightning a lot. Unfortunately, the Islanders have to play them now. So um, I'm going to say the same thing I said before they played the Flyers, which is that I do believe that the Islanders can beat the Lightning. Will they? that's, you know, I'm not a betting man. You are. So I'd like to hear your opinion on this, on this, but I, I don't think this is, you know, going to be quite a blowout that some people online might think it would be, because I do think the Islanders are going to have a plan uh, to neutralize a lot of Tampa's, you know, again, higher end, high profile, high powered offensive guys. Yeah. I think, I think what you're going to be able to tell right away from, from series previews that you, you might read or, or you know, I, I, I'd, I'd advise you to ignore, but you know, you, you want to read about them and um, is that you're going to be able to tell who who was watching and paying attention to the Islanders uh, before the last series and who wasn't. And the ones that that, that were, um, you know, should be commended. And they're going to tell you there's a path to victory here for the Islanders. The ones who weren't going to say, oh, the Lightning have too much talent. Um, you know, the Islanders will probably they, they work hard and they'll they'll do their best because they, they're they here. But the Lightning, that talent will probably win out in the end. Uh, that's, you know the likely scenario is yes, that the lightning will the win. I think the, uh, the, like the series odds are um, basically like the, give the Islanders between like 35 and 40% chance of winning, uh, which, which I would agree with like, but that's still a significant, you know, that means you can flip it on the other way. Then uh, if for, for underdogs, I always like to say that you don't want to look at it like, Oh, the Islanders have a 35 percent uh, chance of winning. You want to say, the Lightning have a 35% chance of losing the series. And that becomes a little bit more, if you're a Lightning fan, then you get a little bit more nervous. Like that's still a big chunk, right? Like that's, the, you know, that means that one out of every three times a series is played, you lose. Um, and there is like, like there is a significant gulf in talent between the Lightning uh, and the Islanders. And I think that one of the things that, that worries me the most is that the bottom of the roster for the Islanders, like when they play the Capitals, the Panthers and the Flyers, the Islanders probably have a little bit, maybe of an, an advantage, or it was it was pretty even um, mm. uh, against those teams. Against the Lightning, it's not like they have that that third line with Yanni Gord, who who we talk about on this podcast a lot, uh, and like Blake Coleman and Alex Kalorn and and uh, whoever who basically whoever is running that third line with them, Patrick Maroon, Barclay Goodrow. They, these aren't great players, but they're really effective ones, and they're good third line, fourth line guys. If um, that's, I think, the part of the game that worries me the most is the Islanders have kind of been able to to punch, uh, you know, with 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 punch with the, the the bottom six of the other teams that they played. This one will be a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, so you'll see, I, I think you'll probably see the ice get tilted a little bit more towards the Islanders goal than we've seen yet. Um, but, you know, who like if the Islanders play the way they did in game seven or in game one against the Flyers or game five against the uh, the Capitals, like they're they're going to turn each game into a coin flip, and that's that should be the game plan against a team like this. Is you want to, um, weirdly, I was listening to the Canucks radio broadcast of their game seven uh, because I was driving and I was yeah, <laughs> and 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 uh, they we went they went to intermission and 
I was really excited to hear who like their studio people were. And it happened to be Yannick Hansen and uh, effective, you know, penalty killer. And, and he made a great point. He's like, when you're playing a team like Vegas and you're a team like Vancouver, you just want to last as long as you, you want to turn this game into a one goal game at some point deep into the third period. Like you want it. That's your goal should be. Let's get to that point where it's a one goal game where one shot for either team wins it. And, and, I'm not saying the Islanders should, should play that conservatively, but that's that's going to be kind of the game plan is let's hang around with this team as long as they don't get their doors blown off. Uh, like the Islanders have shown, like they can they can win 10 minute period, uh, you know, periods of a game where they score two or three goals. Uh, so like there is certainly a lot of hope. And and like we have we seen the past two two weeks, like this team can play at a, at a really high level. Um, that being said, like if, if you if you if you look, you know, if you. The, the lightning are the more likely team to win this series uh but they just it's just i'm not as scared as i would be as if these two teams as as i would be if these two teams were playing you know two weeks ago or four weeks ago which is great <laughs> that's that's great yeah yeah um on the ilc podcast before game seven you know mike carver brought up a good point that you know part of the reason why the islanders lost games five and six against the flyers was they let the flyers hang around like they never got that sort of separation that two goal lead and just, you know, kept it or kept pushing the way they did in game seven, you know, after after taking two goal lead, the Islanders were still pushing for more goals, which they hadn't really done in the other game. In fact, they played from behind in, in both games five and six. Um, and so, yeah, now that it's basically the inverse of what you just said, like if the Islanders can keep it close and not let the lightning run away with these things, they can have a chance at, uh, you know, maybe stealing a game here or two or even taking the series as a whole. Um, the lightning forwards are beyond reproach. I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, they got Sorelli, who I've read hasn't really had a great playoff, but I mean, he's a pretty good player. I'm pretty sure he's their fourth line center. Carter Verhage, who was an Islander for about five minutes a couple of years ago. He's another guy who's had a pretty good playoff. Um, you know, Patrick Maroon won a cup last year. Uh, guys like Cedric Paquette, like these, these are lower on the lineup guys. We're not even talking about Kucherov's and the points and, and Andre Palats, you know, like those are the top end Tyler Johnson. Like those are the top end guys. We're just, I'm worried about the bottom end guys. Right. Cause that's where the series is going to be won. Like, yeah, like we know, we know what, what like if Kucherov is healthy and Brandon point and those guys, like they're, they're better than the Islanders, but if the Islanders are going to have a chance, they're going to need to win the other parts of the game. So, right. So that's where your Casey Zizekas' line comes in, you know, with with Clutterbuck and Martin, obviously. And then the Pajot thing, you know, uh, Elian Vino. I recommend watching his post game video from Game Seven too, not to not to make fun of or humiliate the guy. I mean, a lot half of his answers are just give the Islanders credit, but uh, you know, he's pointed out a couple of times like not a lot of teams have a third line with JG Pajot and Derek Broussard on it, which shows you if he's noting the impact of them on that series, then you know, they're expected to have that same kind of impact or even more of an impact on the series against the the lightning Uh, where I do think the lightning are vulnerable is on defense, not in goal, because obviously Andre Vasilevsky, he won the Vezina right last year. Right. And I think he's a nominee again this year. Um, He's very good. I mean, clearly, Um, but you know, if you look, Victor Hedman is obviously an all-star likely Norris trophy winner again. Um, you know, the other guys, though, Kevin Shattenkirk's had a good run so far this year. I know we all hate Kevin Shattenkirk for off-ice reasons, <laughs> but he has had a good good playoff so far. Um, then they have Ryan McDonough, Braden Coburn, uh, Zach Bogosian, and Mikhail Servichev, and Luke Shen. You know, those guys, to me, and I, and I know I'm saying tempting fate by saying this, they don't really scare me, not nearly as much as the forwards do, or Vasilevsky does. So I think that if the Islanders are going to make hay, it's going to be in – kind of getting past their defense and going to work on the forecheck and doing the things that, that they do. Another thing that scares me is um, we didn't talk about this in the, the first half, but the Islanders held the Flyers power play to zero goals. I believe it was <laughs> 0 for 12 or 0 for 13, something like that. Yeah. Um, that is remarkable. Now, you know, they don't have like a, you know, we're not talking about the 77 Habs power play or anything like that, but like, that's crazy. To, I mean, first of all, they held the Capitals to eight goals in five games in the first series. That's also pretty crazy. I mean, only three Capitals scored in that series we talked about. Here, you're holding a power play with Giroux and Voracek and Couturier and, and all these other guys and Hayes and whatever to zero goals. And to the point where, like, Brock Nelson took kind of a, a phantom over the puck over the glass penalty in the third period. It was really weird. Like, he, it looked like he just sort of bounced off his stick. I don't think he was trying to get it out, but whatever. Um and I was just like, okay, like what, like you know, at that point they were up three nothing, 
and I wasn't worried about it anyway, but it's just like, they just had nothing. They, it, it was, we always joke about the Islanders power play actually sapping momentum from, from their games, but this actually happened to the other team. Like their power play just had nothing going. That probably won't happen against the lightning is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, and if they can keep, Stay out of the box. They I mean they only, the Flyers only had I guess twelve power plays and thirteen power plays in seven games. Like that's you know less than two a game. That's pretty wild. If the Islanders can keep that going, um, that will be very helpful for them. Now, part of the reason I think the Islanders were able to do that was they didn't have trouble kind of keeping up with their speed, which is how you get like stick checks and things like that. And so the Lightning are obviously a much faster team too. So you'd hope the Islanders don't get into that that sort of mode where they're not skating and they're just trying to like hack and whack at people. And that's how you get slashing and cross-checking whatever penalty. So got to avoid that. Got to avoid the box. But, you know, I, I do think that there, like you said, there's a path. There's a path to winning this series and, and the Islanders are going to have to hopefully find it. Uh, part of the problem is they got to move. They got to travel. They're, they're on the going to be a plane. They might not be on a plane now or boarding a plane now to Edmonton where they're going to play game one on Monday night at eight o'clock. Uh, the lightning were already there. They flew over there on Saturday. It's going to be interesting to see that, but I mean, it sounds like the Islanders are embracing the fact that they are the last team out of Toronto <laughs> and they're on their way to Edmonton. Josh Bailey said this morning that was the goal was to get there and play the conference finals. So they got it. Um, and, you know, we'll see that they haven't traveled anywhere and played all these games this last five weeks. So uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, game game two will you know also be kind of huge on uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, the uh, the defense is 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 weird because you do you. The, the 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 gap is so wide, right? You got Hedman and McDonough and Sergachev, who who are all very good, you know, just really good at their at what they're supposed to do on defense. I didn't realize McDonough's contract is so long. Good God! Yeah, he's like you he's, know, he, he's signed it forever. Holy crap! He's he's it's I hated him so much as a New York Ranger because for a lot of reasons. Like like one, he's a Ranger. Two, he his the trade was the Gomez for McDonough trade not only bailed the Rangers out of a terrible contract, but got him a good player. Cause somehow, you know, the Rangers and, and Maple Leafs are always able to make those trades work somehow. Right. I don't know. Penguins too. Yeah. And it, yeah. Them. Penguins. Like, and then the third, <laughs> the third reason was because he was really, really good. And he was just a thorn. It's like, if I, if I had to watch Ryan McDonough block another shot from, you know, Kyle Oposo, I don't know. Like my, I, I would you know, scream. Like it, it, he was just, he was very good at what he did. And, um, he like the, the three of them though like like McDonough is is doing what he does you know he's a good shutdown defenseman and uh is is just a like a rock he's he's basically that you know an, a better version of Adam Pellet or maybe not at this point in their career but but when at his height he was and um with a little bit more offensive upside and then you know Hedman is is just an absolute monster just an absolute monster and uh Sergachev is a good puck mover and then like you said like you're looking at guys like like Luke Shen and and like Brandon Coburn and uh, it's, it's, that's, you know, that's just where the Islanders are going to need to hone in because if the, you do get the four check going against those guys, those guys can't move the puck. Like the, the other guys can't even Shattenkirk. He can move the puck. Well, and uh, you know, how do you, how do you beat these guys? You force those Brandon Coburn who I can't believe he's still in the league. Like, <laughs> you, you, know, you, like, like you, you just, you, you force those guys to be the ones that are, are going to have to to make that first outlet pass and you pick it off and, and hopefully turn something uh, turn something around and um it's it's uh <laughs> that's that's it like that's just where the game's gonna be won and, and the, the the crazy thing about the lightning and and you 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 said right they're, they're this is a likable team they've been always been likable sure. i think a lot our big reason is because they've they've beaten the rangers in some big games and playoffs <laughs> too like that always helps the devils are the same kind of thing like mm-hmm. I, I always kind of like the devils because the enemy of your enemy is your friend and but you know cooper is definitely a big part of it and and they just they've they've been there's no one they've never really Yes, that that one playoff series where they beat the Islanders in uh, 2016 was maybe a little closer than people thought, and the Islanders were a couple of bad breaks from from really springing into a, a playoff run. But um, th- th- they're just not a hateable team, really. I don't. They've never really done the Islanders wrong. Uh, mm. And and like you said, Cooper is a great guy. And um, but there's just like they've been doing this for so long now. And right then they always seem to be doing it without one of their best players, whether it's Stamkos <laughs> or Hedman or Kucherov. It's like the the Lightning are just not allowed to have the full roster healthy, no matter what. Right. And uh, they're, that's, they're that's in a lot of crazy. ways. They're in a lot of ways like San Jose East because they're the roster is generally the same year from year to year, and they're always in the playoffs. So you always, always, always hear the names, and you you see the same team over and over again. And it's almost like 
by osmosis, you absorb the roster, you absorb <laughs> all these names and, you know, everybody becomes their own sort of mini version of Pierre Maguire. Everybody knows where everybody's from and all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, it, it just feels like playoff time. And Blackhawks, I guess, is the same kind of thing too. Like they're just, they're, that team, now obviously that team has had a lot of changes, but you, you're just so used to them because they're always in the playoffs and here it is. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, it's I don't have any hatred to these guys. I, I actually it's funny uh, coming out of that flyer series. I still don't have too much hatred towards them either. A couple of guys of mm. uh, faces. I, I really would rather not see again, but it uh, <laughs> sounds to me like after reading some comments from some of my flyers fan friends, they don't want to see their faces either. But uh, a, a friend from my friend from England texted me. He's like, as Islanders flyers kind of like, uh, you know, Everton who they're in Liverpool playing a Manchester team, which is you know pretty close to Liverpool, but not, not a, huge rivalry like just there you play them a lot you, you live close to them you you know fans and i said that's a good way to look at it i i, I don't hate the flyers and and even after the series like i said i don't i still don't hate the flyers <laughs> they're useful sometimes because they gotta you know they they gotta right. play the teams that i do hate a lot too like they gotta <laughs> play the the penguins and the rangers and the leafs and i need them to win those games and um but when, when yeah when i just connect me and, and they're like matt niskin and i hate but like uh, you left i left that series i was like all right, we'll see the Flyers again next year, and and that's it. Like you know, it's it was, it was nothing else. It was uh, it was it, it is weird. It is weird mm. like that. Yeah. Um. Oh, but I want to mention. Uh, you talked about Braden Coburn before. How you're surprised he's still in the league. I feel like every team has that guy who has been traded a million times over the last couple of years. Obviously, Josh Bailey is that guy for the Islanders. Like he's been here since 2008. But I mean, if you counted the amount of trade proposals that Josh Bailey has been included in. He would have been traded 4,000 times <laughs> you know, over the last 12 years. I'm pretty sure Braden Coburn is that guy. It's either him or Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson always seems like he's kind of like yeah, Tyler Johnson, he was an one. Islander for a little while, a couple of years, yeah. a couple of summers ago. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, he's just that expendable guy. Like, we've got all these other guys that are so good. We're going to have to lose some good guy. Well, it's going to have to be him, obviously. And Coburn is just one of those guys that's like, you know, the throw-in guy or, or you know, the the – the salary cap shed guy, uh, but he's still here, you know, he's still there. So he must be doing something right. I guess he's, hmm. he's doing pretty well. And so, um, you know, yeah, again, this is not a team that I have a whole lot of animosity to. They have played twice before. <laughs> the Islanders have won all of two games in the playoffs against the lightning in their history. So uh, anything, you know, beyond that is, is a pretty good sign I would think. Uh, but both of those series are ancient history. The one in 2006, it was a 2004 the, Four, yeah. So the, yeah yeah the, that was the, the, that the was the series won. that the lightning won in overtime to eliminate the islanders and uh afterwards howie rose while the game was you know ending howie rose said there's one thing islander fans can take solace in it's they know they got the goaltender of the future and he was talking about rick di pietro <sighs> yeah that was well i mean you know we all thought the same thing yeah right? of course, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and uh, that was the series i think eric Cairns turned the puck over like a hundred times at the blue mm. line and Ouch. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a rough one, but not you know. not one of Howie's more memorable uh, or astute uh, or prescient <laughs> goal calls, I would think. You'd probably agree with that as well. Yeah. But uh, and then like you said that that series in 2016, um, you know, it's it, that series, you know, in hindsight is a little bit like the the Hurricane series from last year. It it was short. I mean, it only went 5 games, but the first 4 of those games were really really close and we talked a little bit about this I think last week. Um you know, the, the Islanders lost two of those games in overtime. They had leads late in the third period, coughed them both up and then lost in overtime. So, I mean, they did some good things in those series, but, you know, just a better team won. And then, of course, that team went on to lose to the Penguins that year, which really sucked. But, uh, you know, uh, that that's all ancient history. And, again, it's all, it's all pre-trots. It's all BT, before trots. So, <laughs> I mean, now they're, they're on a plane. Trotz is going to have the video thing up. I'm sure they're he and his and Lane Lambert and John Gruden. They're already breaking down how they can they can get to the Lightning, and uh, you know we'll just have to see. It, it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, there's like you said. I mean, there's however you look at it, there's a, a pretty pretty sizable likelihood that the Islanders don't make it out of this series. But I mean, if we've learned anything over the last two years, it's that these guys are on a different wavelength. Like they're just you know they they they'll have a plan. And they're going to try their best to execute it, and they're going to leave it all out on the ice. And and like Trot says, they're going to try and stay in the moment, try and seize the moment, and then not worry about whatever you know what came before or what can happen after. Just look at that moment and take it and try and win win a hockey game. That's all it really comes mm -hmm. down to. One, a couple of things uh, that just just random thoughts as we're kind of ending up here. And uh, one of them is like we keep talking about how great the NHL's done uh, for this tournament. Uh, and one of the great things that they've done, and they do this in regular games, is that that camera behind the bench uh, mm. 
where they show the coaches' reactions. And yeah. I just, Lane I, Lambert is, I is just want to watch Lane Lambert. <laughs> Oh, like I want like a little picture in picture just to watch what he's doing while the Islanders are playing. Like he, watching him celebrate goals. Like I just I want to know what he's doing when when you know Thomas Grice makes a big save or or Andy Green blocks a shot or something. Like his, he just looks awesome. I love this guy. I love him. <laughs> uh, he's and the other thing I wanted to say is you, you, I think I think this uh, generally like our show like we like to kind of go a little bit below the surface of like kind of obvious you know stuff and and and. And to that end, like we know that anyone listening to the show knows Matt Barzell is very good at hockey. Uh, so like we, we, it's weird. Weirdly, we don't spend that much time talking about him because he's, he's the Islanders most important player. And you'd figure an Islanders podcast would spend more time talking about him. Um, he's the coolest. Like he just like, he is so cool. He's, I don't think he gets enough credit for being tough. Like he, he rarely misses games and knock, knock on wood. Um, he, he gets whacked all the, what he's wearing right now with the stitches and the, the yeah. gauze up the nose. That's what he should look like every game because he gets hit on the hands. He gets hit on the face. It was, it's like a joke among Islander Twitter that like he gets, you know, slashed and high sticked once a game. Um, so that's all kind of like coming to fruition right now with the way he looks. The guy is just an absolute monster. Uh, he's, he's on another level right now. He looks beautiful with the, like the, he looks so hockey beautiful with his, his stitches and stuff. And, uh, I just I I'm really excited that you know last night the derby led into the that game so the Islanders are probably introduced to a huge new audience on uh, NBC and I'm happy that you know there was probably people all over the country just watching who saw this guy with a stitch under his eye a gauze shoved up his nose and we're like that guy's awesome like and I, and I'm I really hope that they you know they that that actually happened that there are a lot of people that saw him today and we're like or last night and we're like that I really like this 13 guy. Barzell on the Islanders. Uh, he looks like the coolest guy because he is. Yeah, he he was easily the best player on either side of the ice throughout the entire series. Yeah. Like he was he was excellent. I mean him him. There's Lee. I guess is probably another one who who gets a lot of credit. He was really really good. Um, but Barzell was on another level. And I was thinking about that actually last night. I can't can't believe we're 54 minutes into this thing and we haven't even mentioned him basically. But uh, this is like his coming out party. This mm-hmm. is again is kind of one of those things you always hope for is that he's being introduced now. Yeah, whether it's people watching after the Kentucky Derby or just even hockey fans just you know tuning in because it's the only hockey game on. They're seeing what this guy is doing. He's he's you know getting a little bit closer every game to his final form, whatever that may be uh, to use the uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, reference there. But uh, you know, he's, he's operating on a level now and he's doing it, like you said, where he, you know, he's starting to look like a jigsaw from the Punisher. Like he's getting all, you know, cut up and everything. And Barry Trotz joked, uh, he's starting to look like a hockey player. The, the more it goes on, you know, he's getting hit and you don't want to see him take Jordan Everly stick to the face. I mean, Jordan Everly doesn't want to see him take a stick to the face either, but uh, it does happen. And and what that means is you're, you're in it. And I remember, you know, speaking of lightning, um, I remember Marty San Luis one year when he was at the lightning, I think there was one of the years they were playing the Rangers. He took a stick to the mouth and he, he had a root canal and he was back the next game. And it's like, that guy was one tough SOB man. Like I know he, I couldn't stand him when there's a couple of years he played for the Rangers, but man, what, what a player. And he was a little guy, but you couldn't be stopped. And he was just out there and very much like Barzell. He just, he's got the puck and your, your eyes are immediately drawn to him. And he's just doing things that are ridiculous. And Trot said game seven might've been Barzell's best game as a pro. And he had, didn't have any points, but yep. he was just, every time he was on the ice, the Islanders were in control. And it's like, you can't, you can't ask for anything more than that. It's yeah. it's so it's and it just goes to show you that just just how hard it is to um, kind of quantify what this team is all about because at the end of at the end of the season whenever it ends uh, you know when Bar- Matt Barzell's contracts up there's going to be articles written you know what what should his contract be and there's some really good you know public models that project this stuff and they're going to look at his point totals for the past two years and be like yeah you know like Barry Trotz is there and got him to play better defense like what but like you know he needs to produce more and he really doesn't like it'd be great. But like he's producing and he's pl- he's playing the game in, in such an effective way just by doing what he's doing, you know, right. having the puck on his stick. I think um, Mike Kelly at, at the point, like he, he, if you if they have a stat with like who who who's has the puck on their stick the most per game, and and I think he's number one in the league. Uh, like just by doing that, it, it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great if Matt Barzell scored forty goals and and chipped in eighty assists a season. It's just not going to happen with this team. Like it's just not going to happen with Barry Trotz teams. And, he is. If you watch this team every day, you this guy. This guy. He is the like linchpin. He he's the the puppet string guy. He's, he's like what Andrea Pirlo was for the Italian national team. He he 
he's the one who dictates the Islanders like game. If he's going, the Islanders are going because he he can just really just completely change a game. And he doesn't need to do it by scoring. He just needs to do it by wearing out opposing defenses, getting them to chase the puck a little bit, and and creating that snowball effect where the next line will come up and all of a sudden they're they're playing against Luke Shen, who's been out there for a minute and a half chasing Matt Barzell. He's gonna take a penalty or, you know, the Islanders are gonna score. Um so like that it's that kind of stuff and it, it, you want to call them the little things because they don't show up on a score sheet but in in, in reality they're big things uh mm. and and he's just been so good at it uh and yeah he is just he's the toughest he, he might be the toughest player in the league i think like he just considering the, the abuse he puts up with and the fact that yeah he does complain to the rest but that's because he's getting smacked in the face with with mm. sticks every game and he doesn't and, and, and he's and guess what he gets out there the next shift anyways like he took yeah. that hit against the panthers was it where he went yeah. flying into the boards and everyone's heart sank. And then all of a sudden he's mm. just out there again. Like this guy yeah. is a man. But even Trot said that he's not, he's not letting that affect him. Like he's not, you know, it's one thing to be like, Hey man, what do you, you know, yell at the ref or whatever, but he's not letting that change his game. And he's getting right back out there and doing it. Cause he, I mean, the unfortunate reality is for a player like that, he is going to get hacked and whacked all the damn time. And it's just how it is. But if you saw his, the smile on his face, they had a, they had a camera shot on him at the end of the game after it was over and you saw the smile on his face. I think he's a guy and I'm obviously, I don't know Matt Barzell personally, but seems like a guy who's willing to give up a few extra points to move along in the playoffs and, you know, play for a chance to, to go play for the Stanley cup. So that's the kind of guy you, you, you want. And uh, I, I do want, but before I last thing, I want to point out that I, I like how your, your comparisons are like, you know, these English soccer guys or like soccer royalty, like Perlo. And my, my point of uh, reference is like Punisher comics and Dragon Ball Z. So that's what that's makes, what this makes show us work. What yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't just span oceans. We span different, you know, cultures and yes. stuff. And- it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, real quick. Um, you know, the other side, the Western conference final is going to be Vegas versus Dallas. Dallas uh, won their game in their game seven in overtime against uh, Colorado. Vegas won their game seven against Vancouver. I believe it was, a, that was a shutout too, wasn't it? Robin Leonard shut, yes. shut out uh, Vancouver. Yeah, he, made, he made one spectacular save when it was zero, zero. Yes. And, you know, Thatcher Demko was just doing some crazy shit at the other end of the ice for like a week straight. And then, yeah. People, you know, kind of, and then all of a sudden Robin Leonard makes the save of the tournament probably and, and probably saves Vegas this season because if they had let that goal in and hadn't scored yet, like that's the, uh, the looks on the, the Golden Knights faces in that handshake line when they got to Demko were just priceless. Yeah. Mark Stone just looked at him and was like, I, I, he just shook his head. He had no idea what to say to this guy who'd just been stonewalling them for three games. But, uh, so that, so that's another one. Dallas, um, uh, Yoel, Kiriranta, Kiviranta, a player that literally nobody hearing this ever heard of. I certainly never heard of him. I know you didn't. Nope. Um, he ended up having a hat trick in that game. He had been a healthy scratch for most of the tournament. So pretty remarkable stories of all three of these teams getting here. The, the Lightning are the only ones that kind of breeze through all this. So they had some some tough moments against uh, Columbus. But other than that, they've, they've more or less breezed through the playoffs so far. Um, and, you know... I, in fairness, you know, here we are talking about the Islanders being the heavy underdogs against the Lightning. The Stars, in a, in a way, are, are almost similar to Vegas. Most most predictions I've seen so far pick Vegas, not necessarily in a walk, but, you know, confidently picking Vegas. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Stars are a weird team, man. They yeah. just, they don't score a lot, but then they sometimes do, and they're defense looks like a shamble sometimes but it works and they got two goalies ben bishop is either unfit to play or he's starting i don't know <laughs> they're like they're just a very odd team and i just you know i i think most of us would probably expect vegas to win that series but i would not count out dallas they're just such an odd team and they're it's so weird yeah and and, anyway. and i love that rick bonus is the head coach there like it's right just, yeah. it's like hilarious that here we keep talking about like the nhl progressing and because oh, we got like dj smith in ottawa and and sheldon keep these guys see the game in, in new ways and 2020 version of the game and here we are with rick bonus in <laughs> in, in in the final four of the playoffs and right uh you know it's that's something and, and he and that's what the stars are they're just the, the the creepiest team and i don't say that in a weird way i just like in a in a way that like i can't you can't figure them out because one day this version of this dallas stars shows up and then, then you play them again the next night and all of a sudden they're right. they're scoring seven goals and it's yeah. just what a weird group jamie ben looks like he'd literally rather be anywhere else other than playing <laughs> hockey most of the time and yet some dude who literally was sitting in the press box for the last two weeks comes out and scores a hat trick you know he, or some his, defenseman just it, you know goes completely crazy and scores a bunch of goals. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're a very hard team to figure. I would not want to 
there have been there have been a lot of great moments of, of the bubble uh, for on both sides, but the Kiravanta post game interview was amazing because <laughs> you know whoever was asking the questions, he, he's you know he's Finnish, he's twenty four years old, he he I'm sure his English is is pretty limited, and here he is like talking to a gigantic television audience who just watched him you know score three goals in Game Seven, and the and and you feel for him, and the guy the first question was like. You know, do you think you're going to be a healthy scratch next game? He's like, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's guy. I mean, they, 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 he, the interviewers, I think, were just as unprepared for that yeah. interview as he They're was. They're probably so, like, "Can you get me anybody else but the guy who's yeah, right? Patrick? Please, <laughs> we, gotta, we have to talk to this guy seriously." <laughs> oh, all right, fine. And then they ask him some weird question like that. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's it's been a wild ride. I don't think any of us expected it to be this way. Again, the NHL has done a great job so far, and and it's been, you know, we're all pretty cynical about the way the NHL does stuff, and they've made it pretty easy to be cynical because a lot of times they go ahead and screw it up. But <laughs> so far, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. I got to, I mean, it's easy for us to say, obviously, yeah. our team is in the Final Four, but uh, you know, even still, it's been a heck of a lot of fun. So, hopefully, the journey continues, as we said, as Barry Trot says. Okay, this has been a supersized episode. I think we got it all out. Uh, if you wanted to hear us be a little bit more uh, critical of the Islanders, hopefully we've provided that for you. But uh, it's hard to be too critical when you know we're feeling pretty good. It's a beautiful day. Islanders in the Eastern Conference Final can't go, uh, can't feel too bad. And uh, but uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna have a, a big test uh, against Tampa Bay, I think for sure. Uh, okay, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Um, yeah, you know we did get that review and. And that, I appreciate reviews like that. I just appreciate reviews in general because it's nice to read. With yeah. you, no matter what. So <laughs> if, if you want, if you're still listening right now, if you if you got through that hot Dallas Stars three minutes uh, and are still listening, leave a review. <laughs> yeah, please leave us a review on iTunes, uh, good or bad. Hopefully, good. But uh, we can use some of those. I don't think we've had a review on I, on our iTunes page in like two years. So <laughs> be that first person. Think of this as your this is your chance to do what the Islanders have done and rewrite the record books and leave us a review. Uh, but yeah, follow Mike on Twitter at the Big Lebowski. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, you should read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Some great comments there. People have been fans for years enjoying the moment having a great time and uh you know this has been fun to share with everybody so uh like i said hopefully the journey continues uh for another couple of weeks and we'll see where they go uh all right thanks for listening enjoy game one monday night eight o'clock i guess nbcsn and uh we'll talk to you <laughs> sometime after that who knows when but uh some, sometime after that we'll we'll talk about uh you know first couple of games and see where the islanders are at all right thanks a lot talk to you later Bye bye